<laughs> Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. MWWire.com is where you can find all of our content. That's um, written content, other content, podcast content. Matt, week nine preview. Let's get to it. What are we waiting for? Week nine. Let's do it. Um, Conference expansion happened again today. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I guess that is – well, that is technically true, huh? Yeah, it happened earlier. Recording this late Thursday, a little bit later than normal. Not that we need to get to it, but – you, so Conference USA is in trouble. Yeah, they were down to six teams after. Cause we promised the folks we talked about this last time. We didn't. Yeah, but it'll be quick. It'll be quick. I don't remember who they lost. What was it? Who's going to Sun Belt? UAB, UTSA, FAU. No, I like a, UAB was going to the American. Oh, that's where they're going. Are yeah. they? Yeah, aren't oh. they? No, 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 Southern, no. Or is it no Southern Myth is Southern Miss is going to the Sun Belt. I know that much. Maybe we should look this up before we start. <laughs> um, the latest news is that the American – or the, oh, geez. You got the American Conference and Conference USA. See, we don't cover the conferences closely, so I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> but so if you follow Matt Brown on Twitter, Matt Brown EP does extra points. He joined us a couple weeks ago on a podcast. He was up at UConn UMass because he likes torture apparently for a football game. But he talks to some folks there. He's like, and when the news just about what do you want to do for football, this, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. As someone on Twitter tonight is like, this was out of the blue, no clue, because do you want to have a conference that stretches from Source, Connecticut to Las Cruces, New Mexico? And the answer is yes. <laughs> That's a weird move, right? It is. And I feel bad for UMass. Do you feel bad for UMass? A little bit, yes. What? 
It's weird because they're in the A-10 for hoops because they're pretty good at hoops. UConn stayed in the Big East for hoops. I don't know what happened then, but and, – and then you got freaking UTEP who's on an island by himself. Is the Mountain West doing good by staying pat? Yeah, I mean, I, I and I forget who it was that brought the point up, and, and I apologize. So I thought it was a fairly solid point. Like a, a lot of the noise about Craig Thompson not doing anything is sort of undeserved to some extent. Sometimes, and you know, geographically, yeah, I think that if there was going to be a move that was made into Texas, that would be like the one thing that made the most sense, just relative to where everything else is happening geographically. You know. You know, we, there was far, far flung kind of like, oh, well, let's go get Memphis or whatever. Well, Memphis was never going to be a part of the Mountain West. Why are you making fun of me? That was my plan. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, yeah, but what I'm saying try. is, they're just, try. there are not that many programs west of the Mississippi that are interested in stepping up, you know? So, you know, that there aren't a lot of moves to be made is not necessarily a bad thing. I agree. Because, because you know, as soon as as soon as the American lost its top three teams to the Big Twelve, you know, the Mountain West's decision to just kind of stand pat and stick together kind of puts them up in the catbird seat among current group of five conferences. And I think Here, that, oh. that with the with the turnover of Conference USA, that is really only I have it I, here if you're wondering, the six schools. So yeah, real quick, it. here's I finally found here's so we know what we're talking about. The Americans adding, you're correct, UAB. Texas UTSA, Rice, North Texas, Charlotte, and Florida Atlantic. It was it was Old Dominion was the other conference USA team going to the Sun Belt, I believe. Okay. And then is it Southern Miss going there too, I think? Yes. Okay. So whatever conference USA's down teams added a bunch today. New Mexico State, which is interesting. I put a tweet like our basketball guys, like our buddy Larry Munez and our Andy Dykoff. It's like I heard so whack for basketball. I thought I felt a bit because they're probably the premier team. Like they'll be fine. I'm like, really? We'll see. That's the only team the Mountain West may want to would have thought of adding because they're good enough in basketball to be a, like a top four team, maybe higher. Mm-hmm. And football, they're not good. I don't know. Like I, I'm not. You're not wrong, and I can agree. Like the Mountain West is fine. Let's when I talk to Matt Brown. Like it's relevant. Go listen to it again. There, he was like, "What should what should the Mountain West be? Should they be a basketball conference, like in expansion, and not overall identity, but basketball conference where?" Grand Canyon, Wichita State, try to get Gonzaga, some of those teams that only play basketball, to come over to the league. Like NMSU as its own thing in hoops and all those teams I mentioned, Grand Canyon and whoever else, go for FCS schools, like try to lower the Montana schools, maybe North Dakota State, if you want to stretch a little bit east, go northwest, eastern Washington, Portland State, those type of schools, or go after some G5s. But really it's Sandy Pat, which I'm fine with because – um, even when the WAC eventually gets FB, back to FBS, they're still whatever, South, Southern Utah, whatever. Whatever Dixie State's going to be called, it's going to be like Utah Tech or something. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to, Weber State's not going to join. Like, they're not going to move up because they're north of, they're right in the neighborhood of Utah State, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing wrong. Like, that's why I felt if you're going to do anything, go big. That's why I was mentioning like SMU, Memphis, those schools where if you get them, great. If not, you're fine because if they say no, which is probably the case. There's no harm in trying, and they may not have tried, but that's a different conversation. But if you're going to expand, it got to be it has to be worthwhile. And those are the only schools that would be worthwhile. And I and like the Mountain West is like you look at Bill C. He puts numbers out for SP Plus. These are all diminishing returns. These conferences are getting worse and worse and worse. And the Mountain West may change. The Big Twelve comes calling, or San Diego State goes on its own. 
that's a couple of weeks down the road. But in the meantime, they are clearly the number one conference starting in 2023. Exactly. And there, you don't add, just add like people are like, get UTEP for Texas. I'm like, UTEP's not Texas. It's like, come on, people. It's Mexico slash New Mexico. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And no disrespect this year, they're what, six and one, I think, five and one. They're having one of their best years in a long time, usually solid in hoops. I remember as Utah guy back in the whack days, Rick Majerus or anybody who's good at hoop basketball, they were like crossing your fingers. They had split the Mexico UTEP basketball swing, that road sw- sw- swing, because it's so difficult. And so that was back then, but they, uh, their familiarity with the conference, like San Diego State, New Mexico, CAC, Wyoming, they're all in the same league year, decades ago now, essentially in the late ni- mid 90s. Mm-hmm. But is there any, if they're going to make any move now, the only move I think would be basketball. And that's it. There's no football members that are bringing anything to the table. Yeah, I mean right. that sounds about right. Okay, so the, so you approve Craig Thompson for the for the for this time and place at the current moment? He's doing a good job. I think he's doing a fine job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, gotta, football games aren't on Facebook anymore. That's progress, right? Yeah, there's only a couple on stadium. There's what maybe one a week that's streaming only, give or take. Yeah, maybe maybe two. So that's good. Plus, also, I was not to go on a tangent, but I always found it humorous. I know their stadium put them on Facebook or something, or they're actually Facebook exclusive games, like that weren't like broadcast through Stadium or something. Were uh, there a couple? I mean, I think it was in conjunction with Stadium, if I remember correctly. No, no, it's stupid about that. Facebook has like a kerzillion dollars. Uh, yes, I said a kerzillion because that's so much money they have. They should be paying money to put those games on there. You know what I mean? They should be paying big bucks. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to be called Meta, which is the most ironic and stupid name ever. But whatever. Because it's so on the nose of how bad they are, essentially. <laughs> mm-hmm. Should we get to week nine here? Yeah, let's do it. You, the cannon. Oh, boy. Fremont cannon. Friday night, UNLV. Is it – what is that? Is Nevada Day November 30? What's Nevada Day? Because that's a thing, right? Yeah, I believe that is the marker for the day that Nevada joins the uh, the United States as, as an actual state. I mean, what's the day, though? I'm looking it up as we talk. Me too. I thought it was. It is around it, Halloween. It's Halloween. Essential Halloween. Okay, Nevada Day celebration. It, it does move around a little bit. It's the last okay. Friday in October. So, oh, okay. so this, so this year, it would be tomorrow. Because wasn't there a big hubbub? Oh yeah, okay, October thirty first, eighteen sixty four. But wasn't there a big deal that it was like this game was last game of the season, not Nevada Day for a while? I think. I think it was. was the same. Yeah. So the Rebels are a twenty and a half point underdog on the road. And do we need? Do, can we start with the mayor being a wuss? Yeah, let's talk <laughs> about that for a second. Okay, so he's tweeted out the Las Vegas mayor, whose name escapes me at the moment because I don't have it offhand. But if you make a bet, it's like a friendly rage or whatever. Hey, next town was the next city council or town hall meeting or something. You got to wear the other team's gear, which is harmless and fine. You're in Vegas. I get it, but <laughs> why are you taking the points? You gotta why are, do the why whole... are you offering the points? Why are you not? Yeah. Why do you not have the confidence to just take your team straight up? Because <sighs> they're wuss, right? That's that's a, that's a prop bet that's doomed to fail. Plus, it's twenty and a half points too. Okay, it's Carol, Carolyn Goodman. Carol, so it's like, go big! Come on, like you point. That's what's you cannot take the points. Like I put on Twitter, points don't paint the can in red, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then they also disrespect saying UNR, which that's another story for another day because it's not UNR. But 
it's come on, man. Like, what do you come on, or lady, whatever? I'll do it. Come on. It's like, what are you doing? You got to go big, right? What's the point? Your team, your team is thirteen, lost thirteen in a row. Coach Royo hasn't won a game under his tenure. Also, here's a funny faux pod, Fox Five News. Um, Matt, how would you describe the beginning of a football game? The game starts at seven p.m., so it's blank offs. Or <laughs> it doesn't tip off, does it? I guess it would be a kickoff. Yes, they put tips off. Tips off. Well, you know, Wolfpack basketball is around the way up there in Reno as well. Um, Rebel basketball, yeah, that's it's funny. But so, how how much the mayor got heat for this because it's stupid? But the game itself, it's usually pretty close, typically, because remember had the fight a couple years ago, suspension, it's an overtime game in what twenty nineteen, right? Yes. So it's been even when UNLV hasn't been great, it's been sometimes competitive. Typically competitive. Six six of the last nine have been decided by seven points or fewer. All right. So. What does UNLV need to do to keep it cl- at least cover this game? Because they have Charles Williams, they have the, the truck wagon, the best player in the, on all, well, the best running back on the field, one of the best players in the game. You have obviously Carson Strong, Nevada QB, Romeo Dubs, Don Peterson, Jacoby Woodman, the couple guys, but Charles Williams is a top three, top two or top three player overall. Mm-hmm. And my feeling, if they're going to have any shot or any chance, give him the, give him the ball 25 plus times, right? 30 times. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't think you're wrong. And a lot of that has to do with you know, what we just saw again from this Wolfpack defense last week against Fresno State. You know, Ronnie Rivers, he was able to, you know, make some hay. And then as soon as he went out with injury, Jordan Mims picked up right where, where Rivers left off. Sure did. And I think that's been sort of one of those, you know, obvious weaknesses that not every team has been equipped to handle. But I think yeah. if, if UNLV has settled upon its kind of offensive line, which based on the newest depth chart, it looks like they have, you know, they moved some pieces around, you know, promoted, you know, a couple of guys like uh, Armani Trigg right into the starting lineup. So like, if that is working for them, then it wouldn't necessarily be all that surprising to see them come out with a similar kind of game plan that they had against Utah state. Because, you know, while, while Nevada, I, I would say is maybe a better defense overall than the Aggies were, you know, you and I'll be proved that they could beat the Aggies within the trench, you know, between the tackles yeah. basically with a, with a guy like Charles Williams. And so, you know, you're looking at a guy who, you know, two weeks ago in that Utah state game, he had 27 carries last week in San Jose state. He had 24 carries and, you know, with a, with a, an extra day of rest and preparation and things like that, it would not surprise me if they just gave him another 25 carries and said, go win this game for us. That's the only way it's going to happen. Only way, especially since, you know, as we, as we talked about last week with ahead of the Fresno state game, which was, I was worried about seeing in that game, um, you know, Nevada's pass rush is probably going to be motivated too, because they weren't able to get to Jake Hanner all that often last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now you're looking at a, a UNLV team that is still, you know, one of the worst pass protecting teams anywhere in the country still have a sack rate allowed of over 14% bottom five overall, mind you, in the, in, the, in the country. You know, Cameron Fields looked a lot better from, from from week to week as he's kind of strengthened this hold on the starting job while Doug Brumfeld has been recovering from injury. And it will be for again this week, it looks like. But, you know, there's a situation where if Nevada comes out and plays inspired, wins on early downs, forces a lot of obvious passing situations, 
that Friel is on his back a lot more than Rebels fans would want to see. You know, I think it's it's going to be important to get the running game going, you know, not only to keep Friel from having to take too many unnecessary shots, you know, especially if the team falls behind, but to just kind of, you know, keep the same kind of balance, I'd say that they've been able to maintain, especially over the last couple of weeks, you know, they've been close. And I think a lot of that has been due to the fact that, yeah, they want to lean on Williams, but Friel has been a lot better too. I just don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case with Nevada's defensive front in particular. Yeah, he's been better with what his 20 of 28 last week. Yeah. His quarterback rating was really good. Like he's been the rapport, like Tyler Collins, guys catch the ball on the, on the outside receivers. Mm-hmm. He's, Coach Roy said he's like, he's poised, is in progressions. So it means he's not just focusing on one guy. He's getting more comfortable in multiple coverages. And I expect him to be, like, if he plays, I think he might just have already unseated Doug, even though they haven't won a game, have already unseated Doug Brumfield because if he's getting a couple of games in, and he finishes your out, and who knows if they get a win or not. But he's playing well enough to have the quarterback for the next couple of years. So we'll see. But, like, he's he has been getting better. But, again, this Rebels team isn't very good. And so when he, if he sees Don Peterson staring down the barrel, it's like, holy crap, this guy's how big? What, what's going on? He's just as fast as me almost. The offensive line is going to have their hands full. And they've been a bit better because Williams – because there's been games where Charles Williams hasn't run very well because mm-hmm. offensive line has been garbage. But last recently, he's been – Quite well. And Charles Williams may set a record this week for UNLV football, which would be nice. So we'll see if he gets that, that type of running record. But I don't know, man. There's, here's the thing. They're not going to be able to keep up because Romeo Dubs, Cole Turner, all these guys, Toa Tawa, the overrunner is 58. And I think that might be low because I think Nevada honestly might be able to hit 40 on their own. Yeah. I mean, and all of that, I think to your point, sort of speaks to the reality that UNLV is probably going to want to limit possessions as much as they can. Charles Williams, that's what you do. And if you can control the pace of the game with your ground game, you know, keep Carson Strong off the field for as long as possible. You know, I don't think it's any secret that, you know, Nevada's wide receivers against UNLV secondary is probably just as much of a mismatch as it was last year. Yeah. So what anything that's specific about Nevada, because what, what I just want to see is, I guess what I want to see from them, because they're, Offensive defense, I know that's an old trope going on now, but the offensive defense line was bad. But it's gotten better since that Kansas State debacle. Mm-hmm. So what I want to see from them, because they're going to win, we're going to pick them to win. Like, there's no question, right? Like, they're going to win the game. Um, covering, we'll see. I'm probably leaning toward that because it's almost three touchdowns. I think they will as well. But what I want to see for a team that they're vastly superior then, specifically is to slow Charles Williams. Like, if Charles Williams, to slowing him down is, say, He'll let's say he gets 100 yards, but keep him right around maybe four yards a carry. Mm-hmm. I think that's a win because that's pretty good for him. What he can do, and when you look at the Nevada rush defense, like on a look at their per play basis, they're sitting uh, more than here. They're 4.28, so which is near the bottom. Oh, actually, going to be sorry. Now they are 4.21. Excuse me. So say he gets 25 carries to 100 yards, that's a win because better than their average. Um, but I think if they can hold Charles Williams to give me give him four and a half, he's really good. So if he goes to like 25 and 115, that's fine. He's not going to, you're not going to, you know, he's not going to win if he rushes for only 115 yards. He'll need like 180 plus to win this game because that means he's moving the ball, obviously. And Nevada can't, you can't, Carson Strong doesn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have like 150 plus, probably 180. But if he gets to about one, 120, they'll be fine. Like, Give him his yard. Just don't let him have those big explosive plays he can have. Like, but if he runs off for like say 120 on 
the 14 carries for some reason, but two are like 35 yard touchdowns. That's a problem. Yeah. So I want to see that limit big plays on there. And that's what I want to see on the, you know, there's some Nevada defenses. He'll get his yards most likely, but don't give him those huge plays and don't let him get over 120. I mean, I think the one thing I want to see in this game is, is the offensive line going to bounce back from what Fresno State did to them last week? Uh, that's a problem too. Yes. And I say that because, you know, UNLV's defense, especially the, like the front seven, which drives a lot of the, the kind of the advanced metrics that I talk about on the podcast, you know, to this point in the season, the Rebels are almost the exact opposite of, of Nevada, where Nevada has had a great pass rush, but they've been suspect against the run. UALV has been a little better against the run than they have against, than they have in, in rushing the passer. So I can see, you know, the obvious kind of path where Nevada is just going to come out swinging and, and throw on nearly every single down with Carson Strong, because, you know, why not? UNLV can't really get to the passer either. You know, they're, they're, you know, defensive sack rates only 3%. That's bottom five as well. So yeah, I could see where, you know, Nevada is throwing a lot on first and second down and trying to pick apart this UNLV secondary. But I think at some point, you know, that offensive line is going to have to prove that they can not only they can keep strong upright because UNLV's pass rush isn't necessarily as strong as some of the other teams that they faced, but they do have playmakers who can, you know, who have sort of maybe rediscovered their groove or at least been more productive in recent weeks. And I'm thinking primarily of like a guy like Jacoby Winman who showed out a couple of weeks ago against Utah state. Um, so I think that, you know, if the offensive line can kind of find its footing again and, you know, help keep Carson strong on his feet to get a lead and then help open lanes for, for Tawa and Devonte Lee down the stretch, you know, I think that's sort of the game plan that Nevada wants to follow week after week. It's just that the offensive line has been so up and down that they haven't always been able to execute that. And so I think if they want to win this game comfortably, they're going to have to sort of rediscover that element of their, of their protections. Yeah, that's, I think that's what we want to see this game. Let's have Nevada play a game where it's going to cover things that they've struggled with Yeah, or show me something like if they're this good of a team, they need to beat this team and play well. Yeah. So what do you have advanced numbers? I know we're late in the week, so it should be available. What do you yeah. So uh, FEI favors Nevada by 14.5. Uh, SP Plus also favors the Wolfpack by 18.8, which is in 86% win probability. Okay. And then uh, Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview, which you can follow him on Twitter at StatsOWar. Um, 94.33% win probability for Nevada. So projected margin of roughly 31 to 9. That's it. Only thirty-one to nine. Mm-hmm. What's your score projection? Projection lines twenty and a half. Oh, we did mention it's. Uh, we should mention seven p.m. Pacific, CBS Sports Network on Friday night. I think Nevada's going to win the game pretty handily. Me too. I don't think they're going to cover though. I Why don't... rivalry game? They're going to get it big and kind of play it easy. I mean, I think that there's just enough questions about about Nevada's defense, in particular, that UNLV will be able to exploit at least a little bit. So I, I fully expect them to find the end zone at least a couple times. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Carson Strong. So I'm taking UNLV in the points against the spread, but I'm taking them better to win. I have them winning 38 to 28. Third, you say 38, 28 or 31, 28? 38 to 28. Okay. I'm wondering, like, I'm looking at this game because if 20 and a half point line over under... I, I have kidding, like Nevada could get that on their own. But when you look at what Nevada's done, um, 
Like all the. <laughs> Do you want to know what the money line on this game is? <laughs> like, is it like? It, I'm just. I'm not even gonna guess. You can just tell it me. It is. This is the most. I never look at money lines. I usually don't quite get it, but I, I finally picked it up a few weeks ago. Plus eight hundred for Nevada. For you, excuse me, for UNLV. So if you bet like so, so basically like eight to one. Eight to one. Nevada <laughs> minus fourteen hundred. Wow. Okay. So that means if you want to win a hundred bucks, you got to bet fourteen hundred dollars. All right then. And that's straight up, which I guess if you have like 10 grand, it might be worth it. You know what I mean? Just saying. Yeah. If you want to win a couple bucks. But then again, I'll be like, you know, the upsets 28, 27 on a blocked extra point or something. <laughs> or 29, 28, they go for two to win it. Yeah. Um, I, see, I should know better. Nevada's going to win, but they're not, I don't think they, they're going to cover because they're not going to want to embarrass them too much. But I'm, I'm going to go uh, like, oh, okay, hold on, hold on. They're absolutely going to want to embarrass you and as much as they can, but continue. Fine. 40 to 10, Nevada. There. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go for, I was going to say less. 40 to 10. Fine. They won by 30 it's points. A, it's, a, it's a bitter rivalry, man. Of course they want to pants the Rebels. Okay. I guess that's true. I've seen Utah beat BYU like 52 to 10 a few times. So There you go. There There's you go. That. All right. So that's our log preview for a game that's going to be a blowout. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, next game, Hawaii at Utah State. It is a 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 Pacific, which is 9 a.m. in Honolulu? I believe so, yes. Aggies are a five-and-a-half-point five favorite. So I've been looking around. I'm we, should mention, we should mention, too, this game is streaming. Yeah, so we get to. I see it's on Spectrum, Spectrum Sports pay-per-view on the islands. Is it still Team One Sports app or no? Uh, that is correct. It, yes or no on that? Yes. It is okay. Team One Sports app, which is available on Android and uh, and Apple. And you can't put on your Roku or cast it, really. So good luck. But Get if you're in, but if you're in Logan, just go to the game. Yeah, if you're yeah, totally because it's a uh, should be an interesting one because the game. If you want to go to the game, it's actually going to be nice. Like it's been up and down. Like West Coast has been weird lately. Probably you've noticed this too much. Otherwise, um, in Utah specifically, it can be like there was a ton of snow the other day up in the mountains, or like up in Logan two weeks ago. Schools were canceled or schools were delayed hours. It's been like 30 degrees. Forty. It's just been a big swing, which is this time of year is the worst. Same in spring where it's it's just annoying to me where it could be literally 30, 30, 30. Instant summer, 80 degrees plus go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which not, I'm not complaining warm weather, but it's just kind of weird. It's only going to be like a high of maybe 60, 57 for a 1 o'clock game. You can get it for 17 bucks, Matt. $17. Hmm. So... Logan Bonner seemingly is a starter, I believe. He should be, right, <laughs> for Utah State? I mean, he's listed um, atop the jump chart. I would assume he is. He is, but Coach Anderson has been a, been a little bit uh, 
wonky or back and forth, like, oh, maybe we'll give Andrew, Andrew Peasley six attempts, which is, no, he should not be doing that. But, so with Hawaii coming all the way over for an early game, which means they probably are landing now, like Thursday afternoon, I'm assuming or Thursday night to get ready for the Saturday game. Mm-hmm. Aggies, did you know, I'm pretty sure you know, but does our listener group or people who care about what we do and pay attention, they are in the driver's seat for the Mountain Division. That is correct. They Again, they somehow beat Air Force 49-45. So if they keep winning, they're going to be in the Mountain West Championship game. They control their own destiny, yeah. Is this proof that we need to scrap divisions again? <laughs> oh, let's, let's, be, let's be nice to the Aggies. Ah, sorry, Sam. Sorry, Logan. <laughs> sorry, Aggies. Ah, they are 3-1. They're 5-2. and two. Heck, they already beat their over-under, what was it, four and a half, I think? Mm-hmm. Three and a half, maybe? So if you have that betting slip, which I still have yours, Matt, for not Utah State, but other teams that are looking quite well, just so you know, you're good on that front. One more for Fresno, and you're good to go. But Aggies, oh, what do we know about Hawaii, Matt? Because Hawaii always kind of just frustrates me this year. Because I've given praise to these guys. They're, they play their backup quarterback. They play well. They get wins. They have Shaven Cordero starting and do well. D.D. Hunter gets hurt. He plays well, gets hurt in the game. What is anything definitively that we know about Hawaii? And it, and I guess you could default the secondary, but you can go ahead and talk about whatever you prefer. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think you stole my talking point. That last point. <laughs> Sorry, I should have so, said okay, I should so, be quiet. So, here, so here's the thing, right? You know, that, that warrior secondary, like if you haven't been paying attention, makes for a really interesting matchup with this Utah State passing game. Because... <laughs> You know, on the one hand, there you know nobody in the conference is facing more pass attempts per game than Hawaii, and it's not even close. Hmm. I didn't realize this as I was researching. You know, the Warriors have faced an average of forty-four point five pass attempts per game. Oh boy! the the next The next team uh, is actually two teams: San Diego State and Nevada. They've only faced thirty-seven point six. So, like, in terms of, like, raw passing yards per game, you know, they're giving up almost 300 yards per game, which which doesn't sound good, right? However. But, you know, they've only given up a 54% completion rate. They're only giving up 6.7 yards per attempt, which is, you know, you know, so, you know solidly average, a little bit above average nationally. And they've given up 14 touchdowns, but they've also picked off 10 passes, which is number, number one in the – number one in the conference and mm-hmm. and they they found ways to you know create big plays you know we've, we've talked about week after week it seems like that you know we knew that they led the the conference in, in the interceptions they still also lead it in terms of like overall pass breakups too so it's not just that they're you know they're creating opportunities they're just maximizing the opportunities that they're able to create as well and it's not just cortez davis of course Corey bethley is having kind of a sneaky potential, you know, dark horse mm-hmm. defensive player of the year type here. Um, but even the other guys in that secondary are stepping up too, like Hugh Nelson. It's really been a team effort in the same way that it was last year. And so I look at this game and I think, well, you know, Utah State's been improved in the passing game. Like, you know, Logan Bonner is, is, has been a step in the right direction. But this is a secondary, like even if the, even if the, the front can't get as much pressure on him as they might want to this is a secondary that could derail what utah state wants to do on offense and so i think you know for a lot of people who maybe aren't staying up late week after week to watch the warriors on the island and things like that like to me this seems like a 
like a potential trap game, especially coming off of a, a really emotional and high strong win last week against Colorado State. So the Aggies really need to come out and and be strong about what they want to do. They need to keep Bonner upright, which they haven't always been good about doing, mind you, as well. Sure. And so, sure. so I think you know they're going to come out and they're going to want to do what they want to do. I think they're going to continue leading with the pass. But I don't know that it's necessarily a given that that's going to work against this against this Hawaii defense. Enter Calvin Tyler Jr. Then Matt, let him run the ball, right? I mean, if, if he if he's healthy, I, I, I mean, they, they proved they here, here's here's one big thing that I think could potentially decide this game earlier one way or the other than a lot of people would expect. Utah State's offense has improved in a lot of different ways. One thing that they haven't really improved on is being able to move the chains on early downs in terms of first down percentage on first or second down. They're 124th nationally on offense. It's not good. Conversely, Hawaii's defense has actually been one of the better defenses in the country as far as preventing that. Um, mm. You know, they're, they're 32nd nationally, 63.7% rate allowed. Um you know, the trick to that is that Utah State's been able to convert a lot more third downs than you might expect. And Hawaii's really struggled on, you know, in terms of like third and fourth down success rate. So it sort of seems to me like, you know, if Hawaii can prove that it can force three and outs, then that's going to give them a substantial advantage. If Utah State conversely can prove that they can win more consistently on early downs so they don't have to, you know, find themselves in so many third down situations that could be beneficial for them as the game progresses as well. So it's sort of like a, a um, it's, it's one of those pivot points that could go one way or the other. It just depends on which team I think comes out and, and proves they can be more consistent on those early downs in particular. Do we know the status of Didi Hunter? I haven't seen anything, no. Because he left the game, was it last week or the week before? It was the week before. He didn't play last week. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they're off week. So he had, what, 175 yards before he got hurt. Same with, like, Javon Cordero. It's like I'm looking on Honolulu Star Advertiser. Like, he was almost ready versus Nevada as well over a week ago. So he's probably going to be a game-time decision again. Both guys, you think? Uh, No, uh, Cordero at a minimum. Oh, yeah, yeah, a minimum. Because he was close last week. He was re- or two weeks ago, whenever they yeah. were supposed to play. So I don't know. It's... But also, look at the Utah State depth chart. Unless Coach Anderson's being weird, it looks like Calvin Tyler is listed as a starter. Mm-hmm. But who knows how often they change that, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> just because. But it, let's just say he's healthy. That's how I think Utah State might get it done because Logan Bonner could throw pretty good. Like Devin Tompkins, like him versus Cortez Davis will be a matchup you must must watch, you know what I mean? Like that's going to be crazy if those two guys get lined up on each other, which would be great. I think they're going to need the right. Like, yeah, excuse me. Warriors can stop the run or stop the pass pretty well, even though they get thrown. Like, they get thrown on enough. That's why the numbers are good. But teams can, if you pass that many times against you, you're going to break through most likely. But Utah State doesn't. It's not going to be like Fresno or whoever. Even like they got all the picks in one, but they're not going to chuck it forty times. Mm-hmm. I think the running game is what's probably if Utah State's going to win. It has to be more of a balanced and get some big plays. Because I don't think Bonner can lead them to victory if the ground attack. Is like a three point eight per game or something, or per play. No, I, need, I, I think that I would definitely agree with that. It's kind of it's kind of a dust team, but well, if they're under four hundred carry, probably not going to win. But it, but that conversely, some teams can do that. Like maybe Fresno, maybe Nevada, sometimes because they have quarterbacks who can chuck it very well. Mm-hmm. And whereas Utah State's running or passing games okay, like the rushing offense, it's taken a dip. They only have six touchdowns, which is pretty low for who they have running the ball. It's near the bottom of the conference. 
and they're under four edge of carry because they kind of dipped a little bit, but they're still about average in conference. But with Tyler, because at one point he was the leading rusher in the conference. Mm-hmm. And part of it skews because BYU game was really bad. And then Utah, or Colorado State was bad as well. Only 111 yards and under three, two and a half yards of carry. Well, that so part, of, game, part of that had to, has to be adjusted for sacks, by the way. Yeah, yeah sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm looking straight. So I mean, look, look. here's, here's the thing about Utah State, like, you know, against, and especially last week, Colorado State, like, they found a way to sort of make that three yards in a cloud of dust work for them against the Rams. Yeah. You know, because, you, you know, Tyler Jr. didn't play. Alilion Noah stepped up and he had a solid game, not necessarily a spectacular game. My concern is that that's not necessarily going to fly against this Hawaii defense. Hmm. Which is which is you know maybe not quite as strong as Colorado State up front, but they're definitely better on the back end overall. Yeah, well, that makes sense. So what do we got numbers here? Because this game, I think it's well, yeah. Give us the numbers and we'll wrap it up here and move on to the next matchup. Okay, so uh, FEI favors Utah State by seven point one. Okay, uh, hold on, I gotta find. Uh, okay, so SP Plus, however, favors Hawaii. By 4.6, which is a 60% win probability. Interesting. And then uh, Parker Fleming also likes uh, Utah State, roughly 80% win probability. (laughs) Really high projected score, uh, 40 to 29, basically. 70 point, over under 65. Yeah, so it's it's projecting the over. Yeah, FPI has 74% chance for Utah State. And a thirty-five and a half to thirty point three victory for mm-hmm. the Aggies. Um, I think I'm going to go through home team here, Utah State, because there are some questions. Like if the running game of Calvin Tyler Jr. isn't fully healthy, that's a problem. Utah State's defense isn't that great, and we've seen from what's his name was the quarterback Brandon Traeger. Is that his name? Yeah, the starter Braden right Shaker. now. Yeah, Braden. Sorry, Braden. Sorry, freaking. I was close. Braden Traeger. Like he's been proving himself okay enough and with Utah State's defense not being that good he could have a pretty big game possibly if he is a starter I think Utah State wins if it's not if it's him and over Cordero just because that makes sense you're better quarterbacks out there because we look at what Schrager's done the pass doesn't pull up all the stuff here which is taking forever he's is complete like the most recently doing better 61 percent of his pass completions only two touchdowns but he's been doing fine like five and a half yards per attempt only been sacked six times in a couple of games he's played, but I think he'll have a big game regardless. But I think Utah State has enough, especially Devin Tompkins. I think that's, I think it's going to be close. But I think the difference is going to be who's throwing quarterback for Hawaii and how the running game goes throughout the team. Because if DD Hunter isn't healthy, like, do you trust like Dedrick Park Parson? Yes. I don't know. You do? You think you do? Yeah. And that versus Utah State, man, I'd, I'd lean more so than yes, but. If they don't have, if Hunter doesn't play, I don't know if it'll be enough. Like he's good. He's more touchdowns. His average yards per run is pretty good. But with what Hunter did two weeks ago, it's like, dang, if that guy's out there, I'm all in on him. But when you look at what, what Hunter's done, Hunter, but um, Parson has done, he's been close to what he's been close to starting running back. However, closer look, most of his yards were versed New Mexico State, where he had 161 yards and half of his touchdowns. Outside of that, He's had no hundred yard games. I don't know what happened to Oregon State game. Only one carry. Only well, a couple he's, carries. Been the, he's been the third string running back for most of the year. Yeah, you know, behind so the, behind Hunter, behind Calvin Turner, and everything like that. So if we go to the past four games, 
11 carry, like his New Mexico State game is both of those are good. 36 for like 250 and four touchdowns. But Fresno only four for 40. And Nevada, when he actually had significant carries, 11 for 39. So he can catch the ball in the backfield. So that's a plus two. I just would rather have Hunter. I think he's okay, but I don't, I don't want to trust him to be your lead guy. But so where would you put Utah State's defense? Probably better than New Mexico State. Not by much. Like, so you're telling me, so, okay, let me run off these teams. Utah State's defense is, I'm going to guess just that one team. Are they better than UCLA's defense? No. No. Oregon State? No. San Jose State? No? You sure? They're not. No. Okay. Fresno State? No. Okay, so it's probably the second worst defense they'll be facing all year. Yeah. I guess whatever Portland State, don't not including them. So just New Mexico State, then Utah State? Okay. So, I still think I still like Utah State. I just Dedrick Parsons only played well against bad teams, like really well, I should say. That's like that's, the first, and that's only because he's seen most of his playing time when 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 the starters got injured. I know that's why it's hard to really. That's what I'm trying. It's hard to, you know, what I mean, it's kind of difficult to suss that out a little bit. Give me Hawaii. Where? What you want to take Hawaii? Give me, give me Hawaii. Oh, all right to win. Yes. Oh boy, what's your score prediction? I'm going to say 34 to 31. 34 to 31. That's 65 because, points. Because I think both of these teams are going to be able to score points. I think you have a lot more faith in the Utah State defense than I do. I know. I like Shaq Bond. He's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, right. the, defense, it's the defense that gives up a lot of big plays, though. I know. A.J. Ivankachon's not as good as last year. That's a problem. And 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 unless you lest you overlook it, Hawaii is actually third in the conference in terms of 20-yard passing plays. Behind only Nevada and Fresno State, with what quarterback though? Both. I, As a team, they have thirty-two yeah, passing plays mo- over twenty yards. Mostly, to me, shave on, mostly Shavon Cordero. To me, <laughs> that smacks of something that is that is potentially bad because. Well, yeah, okay, so twenty-five for Cordero and what? <laughs> and and seven for Shager, but Shager's made like what two or three starts. Uh, two and a half, I think, essentially. Give or take, yeah. Yeah, that's a solid couple of games, two or three games. Um, I'm going Utah State, hesitantly taking Utah State. I don't think the over-under is going to be reached. I think 65 is a bit too much. Because I think it's weird for me to say Hawaii's defense is good enough <laughs> to not let Utah State score. But I think it'll be like, I'll go 30 to 24 Utah State. All right, then. So I guess they cover and win. So... Wyoming at San Jose State, FS2. So make sure you get that FUBO trial this week because FS2 is not always out there. Spartans are a home favorite, field goal favorite at a one, one o'clock Pacific time. Yes, up there in um, CEFCU Stadium. Sefku. Is that what it's really called, Sefku? I have no idea. That's what I call it. That makes sense. Yeah. I believe, I've heard, either, I'm pretty sure I've heard it re- referred to as Sefku, though. It, it's more... more um, Rolls off the tongue more than CEFCU. So yeah. let's go Sefku. Um, the big news of the game, Wyoming's going with, um, hey, quarterback I like before, Levi Williams, getting a start. Yeah, we're, we're about to learn just how much of the, the, the offense's problems came from the quarterback position. <laughs> Wyoming is arguably at the moment the outside of UNLV playing the worst in the conference, right? Losing, what, three in a row? They are, as the kids say, down bad recently. <laughs> down bad recently. Losing poorly, not playing well. Heck, it's only $9, Matt. You can take a couple hours driving to watch this game, right? Maybe? I suppose, yeah. <laughs> suppose. 
So do we know, is Nick Sarko still starting again? or Because info on this other team, the Spartans, is difficult to come, come by. They're not too forthcoming. I haven't seen anything about Starkle's status, and I believe Nash is still listed atop the depth chart, same as he was, you know, the last week of the week before. So I would, ex- I would expect to see, you know, Nick Nash until further notice. Yeah, it's technically an or, but they put Nick Nash first. Mm-hmm. So that I, I still when they when they teams put the on that put that way on there where it's like they're like oh they may go oh it's alphabetical which technically this would be and s but there's all no come on mm-hmm. so. Nick Nash, obviously, if you've seen him, brings a different element, kind of running the ball a little bit. Um, oh, well, hold on. Do you see what the over-under is on this game? I know it's low, probably. 41. I mean, that sounds about right. Neither team could score points, right? I think it – I mean, it's good. I well, mean, okay, no, well, I got to – Well, let me put up 50 on NIU. So I, I got. I had to think about the, how to frame this, you know, potential narrative <laughs> for this game. Okay, so you know, we've talked about in in the past couple of previews. I'd say how San Jose State sort of played up or down to the level of defense on all, and I'm talking about the offense in particular. Mm-hmm. That they played sort of up or down to their opposition over the last few weeks or so. You know, so we talked about how they really struggled against San Diego State, really struggled against Colorado State. Yeah, found a way to move the ball against UNLV. Okay, and so you know you look at this Wyoming defense and you think, well, you know that cow the, the Cowboys are likely to be maybe closer to that that first group than that second group, right? Yeah, and so I think a lot is going to be on Nash's plate in particular because I think I see a situation where the running game isn't going to be able to get a lot going, and it'll be tough. And and where Nash needs to be able to make plays with his legs in the same way that he get, that he did against UNLV in particular went over 100 yards in that game. I think it is probably likely to be a little tougher against Wyoming, mm-hmm. you know, because you know rather than you know UNLV's non-backers are facing Chad Muma and and Easton Gibbs, so you know I could see uh, I could I could see a path where you know San Jose State just gets bogged all the way around. But I could, mm-hmm. I think I could pretty easily say the same thing about Wyoming, or even with the quarterback switch. You know, we're about to learn, you know, just how much of Levi Williams' struggles last year were related to him being, you know, banged up for most of, not all the time that he was a starter. Yeah. So, you know, both defenses, I would say, have continued to play at a high level. And so, you know, as, as trite as, as it might be to say, I think it's mostly just going to depend on which offense can just you know, create more opportunities for themselves or which, which offense can make more headway against what has been a, a good, if not great set of defenses. I would say that's a tough one. I want to lean Wyoming, but part of the I don't because Xavier Validate hasn't really given enough carries typically mm-hmm. like they do, but he needs, he's okay. Actually it should be, I should take a step back. It's really the offensive line. Because that's a problem. Like Trib.com has a pretty good piece about kind of if they want to turn it around, especially with Williams at the under center, mm-hmm. they need to be the position to lead this team. Because you're right, like how much you what you mentioned earlier before, what, what's the big deal? Or what's the we'll find out for real if it's Levi Williams, if it's Sean Chambers, or if it's like the offensive line. Yeah. And, and Mike Holt. So to your point, you know, in terms of like expected points added per rush, Wyoming is still a top 40 team nationally. That's good. Part of the problem may just be with with the play calling. 
because in terms of like early down rush rate, they're only running the ball on first and second down 60% of the time, which is maybe a, a touch less than you would have expected out of a team that has so much talent in the backfield. No, Matt, they want to throw the ball. They want to open it up. That's what I've been told since spring. <laughs> well, so so maybe Williams is the guy who can do it now that we know. You know I'm assuming mm-hmm. he's, he's fully healthy at this point and he's had a, a full yeah. week to practice with the ones. Maybe maybe this is time for the breakthrough. But even against the San Jose, San Jose State defense, that's not a given because they've continued to play well despite the circumstances, despite sort of the offense being really up and down from week to week. No, you're not. It's correct. You're correct on that. Uh, it's just what well, we'll see. Like when you look at what Valade's done, like within the conference, he only he's only getting 15 carries a game, which he probably needs at least 20. Mm-hmm. Which it could, but again, it could be off its line. They're not making holes for you. Why give him the ball? Get beat up in the backfield. Yeah. So it's like double edged sword. Do we want to keep feeding the ball, giving the ball, but he keeps getting his head bashed in, or do we try to throw it where it'll maybe open things up? Mm-hmm. And maybe with Williams, he'll because what we've seen before in the past, last year, and year before. When he's played, he's he's known to be a touch better thrower than Sean Chambers, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So maybe if he completes four passes, that'll really open up because if Sean Chambers is throwing their incompletions, like who cares? I get it, but you gotta be complete a good portion of your passes to be a threat in that passing game to make okay, we actually actually have to respect what you're doing. Yeah. But I do think he needs to get more carries. But again, it goes back to the line. It's like that's gonna be the side if they're gonna win or not, because they lost three in a row. They've not been playing well. It's uh, so here's a here's a stat for you. Um, so in the last ten quarters, Wyoming's have not scored a touchdown. They've only scored three points in ten quarters. It's not it's not been good. No, and you also have this doesn't help. Like the same article mentions how Chambers missed like Isaiah Nayor and for a wide open, which would have been a huge touchdown. But they the offense is struggling bad and. Th- this defense are playing against San Jose State's not not great, but it's good, still pretty good. And they're going to need to put out, put out their good effort if they're going to try to beat San Jose State. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think another thing that is going to play a big a big deal one way or the other in this game is turnovers too, because that is something that both of these teams have struggled with, particularly the recently. You know, in the, in the you know you mentioned the touchdown drought that the Cowboys mm-hmm. are going through. They're also yeah. min- they're also minus seven over the last two games. They're, they're, I think, minus, well, I'm going to do the math, minus nine in the last month going back to the UConn game. And that was, and that was after being plus five in the first three games. So that, you know, that element of their kind of ball control disciplined offense has really Mm -hmm. disappeared on them. But at the same time, you could say the same thing about San Jose State. You know, they are dead last in the conference in terms of overall turnover margin, minus 11. A lot of that has to do with, you know, what we talked about a couple of times, they, they aren't generating as many interceptions off of how many passes defended they've been able to create for themselves, but also the offense just has not been very good about taking care of the football. Um, you know, last week against UNLV, they were minus one overall, but if I remember correctly, it was, they lost, they had five fumbles in that game, lost Thanks. two of them. And, and a lot of that again, comes back to Nick Nash, you know, didn't have any interceptions Fumbled once, or, or excuse me, fumbled twice. You know, the one that he lost turned into a UNLV touchdown drive. That is exactly the same kind of thing that Wyoming could take advantage of. You know, we've seen it, I think, most prominently in Chad Muma's you know pair of pick sixes that he's had this year. But you know, as a team, San Jose State just has to figure out a way to hold on to the football more consistently. 
Only three teams in the country have more fumbles so far this year. One of which, oddly enough, is Hawaii. We didn't mention that earlier, mm-hmm. but that's you know that's sort of you know one of those things where you know Wyoming is is a good enough defense to be able to exploit that lack of ball control. So you think that that's you think that could be the difference possibly? There, what there's a lot of differences in this game. What could make the outcome? Yeah, like which which team is more careful with the football? I think could go a long way toward determining which which team is going to come out on top because neither of them have been particularly good at it recently. Is this a game we see Spartans defense actually play like we thought they would? I mean, I guess it depends on your definition. Well, better than they have been playing, I guess, is my question. Because they have because uh, because they haven't been like elite in the same way that they haven't been last year. But like yeah. you know, by a, but like you know, so for example, by available yards per drive percentage, they're yeah. you know right outside the top fifty nationally. Um, you know, in terms of points per drive, I think they're right around right around the top fifty as well. I'm trying to scroll through as I'm talking. You know, 41st in terms of defensive points per drive allowed. Yeah. You know, under two Just points per up. drive. So, you know, they've been good. I think, you know, it's been obscured a little bit by the fact that the offense has sometimes put them behind the eight ball. You know, you know, a lot of short drives that, you know, the defense wasn't always able to defend. But the defense has been more or less by a lot of metrics as good as they were when they when they made it to the championship game and won it last year. The problem has just been the offense. The offense has not been the same. But but we've seen glimmers of sort of that 2020 form. And you know, it's sort of a matter of well, if is that going to show up? To me, the defense has never really been the problem for the Spartans this year. It, it would help if it's better. Or are you referring to maybe it wasn't sustainable? No, I'm saying I'm not saying the, the the defense wasn't sustainable. I'm saying, you know, maybe their pass rush has fallen off a little bit. Some of their havoc rate metrics have fallen mm-hmm. off a little bit. But in terms of like per play defense, they are almost exactly the same as they were last year. And that that is good enough to beat a, a Wyoming offense that has fallen off the table in the last few weeks. If Williams can't find them answers, if Valaday and, and Titus Swen can't win between the tackles in the way that they're accustomed to, then yeah, this is another game that could be an exercise in frustration for the Cowboys and everybody watching. Is that why you think the Spartans are a mild favorite? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Although it does depend on uh, on, on which uh, which metrics you believe. Oh, what do we got? That's a nice so, teaser. So uh, FEI favors Wyoming by five point okay. four. Um, SP plus, however, uh, I'm trying to find it. I think it's probably on the next page. This is a really riveting podcasting. The, okay, so they, so SP Plus favors San Jose State by a very, very slim 0. 0.3. 0. 0.3. Uh, that's a 51% win probability for those keeping track at home. Mm-hmm. And then Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview, also a very narrow win probability in favor of San Jose State, 51.9% with a projected margin of within a point. So what do you say? I like San Jose State in this game. You do, do you? I do, because I think the defense. I think the defense is going to be good enough to, you know, keep Wyoming limited. I think Williams almost has to be better than what Chambers has looked like over the last few weeks. But I just don't know if he's going to have enough answers. And so I think it's not necessarily going to be the prettiest game out there. I don't think San Jose State is going to run away with it or anything like that. But I think the Spartans are going to win. I'm going to take them to cover two. I'm going to say. 20 
24 to 20. I think so. I think we haven't mentioned Tyler Evans at all. Mm-hmm. So I think he could be a big key. But you're right. Why don't we just free falling? They're not playing well. Like, could they win this game? It's not, there's a reason it's a close game, projection wise. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're like, maybe I keep saying like a million times. Maybe Levi Williams comes out and slings it and runs it and plays well enough and gives them 30 points. I don't know. But until otherwise proven, that could be a spark. I'm going to leave with you. I think San Jose, San Jose State's going to win, but it's going to be a close one. I'm going to go. So you, you predicted why I would score a touchdown, right? It's yeah. been 10 quarters. I'm going to go like low scoring. I'm going 17 to 10 San Jose State. All right, then. It's not going to be pretty. So watch at your own peril. <laughs> Next game, Boise State on the road, Colorado State. 5 p.m. Mountain Time, CBS Sports Network. Even though the Broncos have not been playing well, they're still a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Canvas Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody Rosh thinks a blowout's happening. I don't know if I feel the same way. I just don't know what to make of, like, Boise State because they've been – like, every game, like, they, they're not playing great. They're three and four. Losing record, probably the deepest in this time of year, like, deepest in the season. They've been under 500 in a long time. I might have to go back to the Big West days, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But the games they lost have all been close. Yeah. UNLV, 10 points last week, or Air Force a touchdown. So it's not like they're getting blown out. And the Rams have been overachieving a bit, in my opinion, as well. Like, the Utah State game, that was ridiculously how they lost. They should have won the game. Had they taken the time, take a deep breath, they would keep a field goal. They'd be 3 0 on conference play. And we'd be talking about them in driver's seat where they could lose two games and still win the conference, essentially, mm-hmm. or win the division. But it all comes down to the same thing for Boise State. Like, who's healthy running the ball? That's all I care about them. Who's going to be able to run the ball for them? And is it Andrew Van Buren? Is it George Lani? Is it somebody else? They've proven Hank Bachmeyer how good he is. He can't win a game on his own. If he could, they'd be like five at six to one or something. Right? I mean <laughs> – I mean, I think I would tend to agree in this case, just because if they try to win the game with Bachmeyer by himself, there's a very good chance that Colorado State's defensive front could eat him alive. Yeah, we've seen that. He's been harassed and hurt and crushed all year. Which is which is not to say that Boise State's necessarily been bad in pass protection, but they've been thoroughly average. And I think that's best. that's something where like if you know if you if you believe in, in a lot of numbers. That has been more or less the same for a lot of different you know, Boise State elements. You know, they've been mm-hmm. average where they've either been good or or great in years past. So, like in terms of sack rate, for instance, you know, they're 67th nationally, 6.2% sack rate. Oh, that's not bad. But that's probably not going to cut it against a Colorado State defense that's still fourth on defense in terms of sack rate. And oh, by the way, poses a potentially even worse mismatch in terms of their ability to defend the run. So I'm almost of the inclination that, you know, even assuming that, you know, Holani and, and Cyrus Abibio who you didn't mention, you know, even yeah. if they are healthy, I don't think it's necessarily a given that they're going to come out and, you know, be able to have a lot of success. I think Boise State's really going to have to work for it in a way that, you know, you know maybe for better, you know, they've sort of become accustomed to over the last year, because, you know, the offense has never been elite. Like they haven't really been a great offense since 2019. If you really take a look at it, but you know, yeah, you know, you, you talk about the running game. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'd like it's it's I could see a situation where Boise State gets bogged down in the same way that they have in a lot of prior weeks. But you know, if they could protect Bachmeyer, yes. which which again, it's not that they're bad, it's that they are very uneven. So it looks bad. I think that Colorado State can be picked apart in their secondary, but they gotta keep Bachmeyer on his feet in order to do it. So you're telling me the streak's gonna continue? I'm saying if it does, I do think Bach, I do think Bachmeyer is going to have to be the difference maker. I don't think they necessarily want him to be, but I think he's got to be. Well, they need to have the offensive line to step up in the running game do just enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Boise State has a similar kind of problem, at least in terms of like their ability to move the chains that we talked about a little bit ago. I believe it was with, the, with Utah State in particular, as far as their, their ability to move the chains on early downs in particular, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like percentage of first downs allowed first and second down, which I talked about that a few minutes ago, yeah. Colorado State's defense is 14th overall in the country. You know, only 61% of first downs allowed to come on the first two downs. Boise State's offense is 92nd. Hmm. I have a feeling like if you pulled up that number from a year ago, it would be a lot better. And it'd be a lot better two, you know, two years ago too. So I think, you know, I'm assuming a game plan where they come out throwing a lot because I think, you know, not only do they have Khalil Shakir, who's probably a better athlete, a better, you know, a, a potential mismatch against, you know, no matter who they line up against him. But I think Stefan Cobbs has come on really strong in recent weeks too. You know, they have that sort of second option, which was sort of a, a mystery in the early parts of the year. And so I think between those two, Again, I think you know if they can keep if they can give Brock Bachmeyer prote- uh, protection, I think they could pick him apart. Kind of a big if, though. That's well, it's going to come back to the offensive line again, right? Like if they can knock him around, that's it's. Clearly, I think the, I think the hope is like after the bye week and, and with the two games that preceded it, that the the shuffling has stopped. That they yes, they've got their starting five. They know everybody knows what they're doing at this point. They've had a ton, time to coalesce as a unit, but it's also not all the starters. It's not their best players, also. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I do agree. Like, there's two ways to look at it. They, they did play better because that's why I mentioned their last game. Hey, they played a full game, a full week of practice. It's them. They can do it. But now it's another week, so it goes both ways. Yes, they're getting more reps because maybe the backup just never played and they're just not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. But then they get a couple weeks of practice. They're they still not maybe as good, which is not ideal. But you mentioned the cohesion of playing and getting reps is what these guys really need. Younger guys, that's why like backup quarterbacks, third quarterbacks, they get in play. They they suck because they get no reps. Third QB gets nothing during the week. They get zero reps. They might be doing scout team if they're lucky, if they're that similar quarterback they want to go up against for the next opponent. Yeah. And so, I think, and you know, and one huge. thing that that offensive line is going to have to deal with is not so much like pressure up front, which, you know, Colorado State definitely has a great deal of that with, you know, between Scott Patchen, who's leading the team with nine and a half TFLs, Tommy McBride and Manny Jones have five TFLs piece. Colorado State's linebackers have really stepped up in a way that they, that they didn't always get the opportunity to in the short season last year. Yeah. So you you look at that trio of Dequan Jackson, Muhammad Kamara, and, and Cameron Carter. Each of those guys has at least five TFLs as well. So Colorado State has a, a front seven that can attack from a lot of different angles, which I think is going to make the challenge of, of Boise State's offense being able to kind of hold things together uh, a lot more difficult, potentially. 
Yeah, totally. So what about the Rams offense? Because, um, as I say, Chief on Cordero, that's Hawaii. Todd Sateo has been playing quite well. Yeah. He's, he's achieved, not achieved, exceeded what I thought he would do, which maybe just took time because last year, go back to the COVID year, you couldn't really practice. You can't hit. He didn't have guys playing out there like, it's a little weird stuff. He took a couple, took a couple games this year. So he's really like maybe from last year down is a full season, mm-hmm. what 12, 13 games. Cause they played three, four or five, seven games this year. What six last year. And he didn't yeah, yeah. start the first game. Cause whatever you get my point. He's finally getting into his groove. Like he's playing better. He's not good, but he's better than what people thought. And so that's going to be obviously a key reason, but also who's going to run the ball. Like, they have, and also Dante Wright, he's back, he's played last week, what did he get, four for 70 or something? Mm-hmm. Reason, or four for 40. Reasonably good game, not elite. He's been another week of health being back, of being a healthy char- character, healthy player, I should guess you should say, but uh, their offense might be able to do enough to, and I think that's a play, an area where they, boy, defense is good, but that's, they have enough weapons where they mix it up where McBride or all these guys out there where they can make plays. I think Santeo is going to play a bigger role than we think. I think I think that this is going to be the David Bailey show. Or at least I think they want it to be the David Bailey show. Because Definitely I think a good if, call. Because if, if Colorado State, I think if they want to do one thing, you know, they want to avoid attacking that Boise State secondary. Because, you know, the one thing that the Broncos have continued to do well is they've continued to create turnovers. And a lot of that has to do with their ability to, you know, create interceptions. And so... You know, I look at Colorado State and I see a ball control offense that wants to just sort of slow the game down and really punish defenses, you know, up front. And so I see what David, I see what Bailey did last week against Utah State, you know, 30 carries, 159 yards, two touchdowns. I think Adazio is looking at that and it's like, okay, I want to do that again. Like, yeah, he does totally. And and I think it could be especially important because, you know, that is, you know, another thing that Boise State's continued to do well is like they've generally defended the run pretty well on the season as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, if if Colorado State looks at it and sees a potential strength on strength matchup, I think they want to prove that they can get the upper hand between the tackles. Yeah. And and I think they want to take, I think they want to take pressure off of Santeo as much as possible and just let David Bailey handle most of the heavy lifting. That would be ideal, right? Yeah. I think that's what they want to do. So it's, man, are we leaning Colorado State here? sounds like we are. Well, what do you think? Okay, so do, so do you want to know the projections, or are we still talking about this a little more? What else? What, is Boise's defense really that good? I think, yeah, I do. I do. I think it's, I think it is an, a still an above average defense. I think it's sort of, like I said, I think it's sort of obscured by some of the situations that they've been forced into. They're not per play. They give up almost six yards per play. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> I and think we, we've seen, we've seen them play up and we've seen them play down. Like, you know, even though they give up a lot of yardage to BYU, they bent, but they didn't break because they created turnovers. Yeah. And yeah, that's I think, what they're you know, the, the big difference between that and like the Air Force game, for example, is you know, they, they didn't create turnovers against the Falcons. So if I'm gonna ask you a question, which you probably don't know the answer to, which is good. If you were to tell me I'm still looking at the yards for play defense, what do you think their best game was in yards for play allowed? Oh, I'm looking at it played, right now, it's Oklahoma State. Oh, 
Dang it. Okay. I thought you said UTEP. But my point being, like, it's not a up and down. It's pretty consistent overall throughout the year. Like, it's for those who weren't looking, Oklahoma State 4.57. And most of that was in the first half with Jalen Warren just butt kicking them and rushing down their throats. But it's not like they had an eight-yard per play game against Air Force. Like, they played better versus Air Force than they did against UCF against per play. So better than Utah Utah State went for six yards of carry. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Just, and and to to on. your point, when you look at it, when you look at available yards percentage, which again I okay. talked about that a few minutes ago, you in terms of like that metric, they're definitely a more middling defense mm-hmm. because they're, they're 69th overall in the country, which maybe not so nice in this instance. Nope. Um, 40, 48% of available yards per drive allowed on average. Points per drive per average, how however, 40th <laughs> nationally. Okay. Yeah. And so that's where that, you know, that, that Ben turnover stuff comes unit, in, which is not the same kind of, of look that we've seen out of the Broncos in the past, but they've made it work for the most part, I would say. And I think against the Colorado state team that, you know, we, we just saw last week, again, sometimes they don't know how to get out of their own way. Yeah. Which is, which is not to say that the Broncos haven't had those kind of problems themselves, but I think that they've had yeah. less of them overall. Mm-hmm. So what do the advanced numbers say then? Because their defense, it's getting there. I get your point. Like turnovers change that type of stuff for yards per play or the points per drive or expected points to drive, I guess that's what it's called. But which just turnovers and like you said, Ben don't break where they hold field goals instead of touchdowns. Yeah. So there's that. But the Rams, I don't know, Dante, right? If he has a big game, like if they get more involved, he's more healthy. That's the thing to look at. Um, I, oosh. What do the advanced numbers say? Because this game's going to be. I have a feeling it's going to go either a close game or like a blowout for some reason. So I don't know F- why. Just... So FEI likes the Broncos by yeah. a 4.3. Um, SP plus also likes Boise state by 0.5. <laughs> also a 51% win probability and uh, Parker Fleming's advanced stat previews. They like Colorado state. 66.69% win probability. That's a projected margin of roughly 33 to 27. So team rankings has a one point victory for Boise state. So what do you, here's who, what do you, I, who do you got? Here's what I say. I'm looking at the team stats, which I know total stats, not ideal, but I'm looking at that rush defense. Boise state's not very good at. They give up almost 200 yards a game. And while the Rams rush defense only gives up hundred yards a game. Meaning, because I don't trust the Boise State brush defense for anything. Rams, offense, fine, whatever. I called a lot. I've, hey, I've called, I've got against Boise State three straight weeks, a couple weeks in a row. I'm going again. Give me the Rams. Okay. 27 21. I'm going to disagree with you again. That's fine. Hey, I got it right last week. Air Force Boise last time. Finally. One of these days, right? I just, I just, you know, I, I could see what I, I can, I, if I were Colorado State, I would have a very clear game plan. I just don't think they're going to be able to execute it. And I think when they fall behind, Boise State's defense is going to be in a good enough position to be able to exploit whatever mistakes they could force Colorado State to make. That's really been kind of the story of this rivalry for years now, hasn't it? Yeah, the they, Rams have come close, quiet, but it's always Boise. That's why I'm confused, con- confounded or conflicted. Boise always wins because the Rams have not beaten them since they joined the Mountains Conference. And I don't think it's going to be a pretty game, but I do think Boise State's going to win. I've got them going – got them winning 
27 to 24. That's not quite what's over under the under 51 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's where that game goes. Final game of the day, which, oh boy, it's going to be a good one. All right. I'm ready for this. Old oil cans online. Old oil can. Fresno State at San Diego State, home of the Aztecs football's TV network, CBS Sports Network, 730 Pacific. Aztecs are a, basically a pickup. One point favorite, Ed Carson at Dignity Health Sports Park Field. Are these the two best teams in the state of California? Right? Yes. No, no hesitation, right? Better than USC, UCLA. Well, first I was already beat them, so an Aztecs I mean, beat them too, typically. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, just throwing out there to give people say, yes, this is the the California championship is on the line this week, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially. The over-under is only 44 and a half, and I'm conflicted by that because I like what Fresno State could do on offense. Okay. Because Aztec's defense is really good. I get it. They're undefeated. They're 21st in the country. They have they can stop whoever's out there. I think a big concern is the uh, how healthy or, or healthy is Ronnie Rivers going to be, if he's even going to play. I think Because Jordan Mintz did fine. But I think if you're going to beat Sanders State, you need as many, many playmakers as possible. Jalen Cropper can only do so much. Jay Kaner can only do so much. The offensive line needs to protect him better than he has been all year against whoever San Diego State wants to rush. And it's, it's, it's the same story in this game when you look at these two teams. It's going to be, can Fresno State break through against this defense, which I'm going to say yes at some point. And can the Aztecs not let them break through? And can the running game go? Because didn't Greg Bell leave with the injury last game as well? He was well. He was. He didn't play much in the first half, but he did have ten carries down the stretch. Yeah. So what, what was the, I? For, I didn't see what was the deal with that then because I must have missed that. I thought he also thought he was kind of not fully healthy, which is why that was the case. Yeah. Well, no, he wasn't, and, I, and I'm pretty sure he still isn't. Well, that's what I was wondering. It's good. That's why I thought like it's weird where he played more second half than the first half. So if they're two top running, like if you look at the running game, who's out more? That hurts San Diego State more than Fresno State. Because Lucas Johnson, maybe, maybe, really. So, so, okay, think, so and, and I say that Chance Bell's going to lead them to victory. Come on. So, okay, so here's what you're here's what you're <laughs> overlooking about. What am I overlooking? Fantastic defense. In the instances where in the instances where Greg Bell has either been like limited or out, we've seen sort of the range of possibilities of what happens to this Aztecs offense. Yeah. When the when the other guys in that backfield get shut down, so like when you take a look, for example, at you know I believe it was was it the Towson game that he first got banged up. I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. Maybe that was like what game two or three. It was like yeah, it was like late in non conference play, kind of early in conference play. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen a couple of instances where like you know when when Chance Bell, who you mentioned a minute ago, Kagan Williams, Jordan Bird, those are the three other guys I'm thinking of. Correct. We've, we've seen instances where those three guys have stepped up as a unit and they've been able to kind of carry the offense to comfortable drives. It's not necessarily like, you know, game breaking drives. Like they aren't, they aren't necessarily like the most explosive run game, even with Greg Bell, you know, in terms yeah. of, ex- in terms of expected points added, they're only 43rd nationally, which is maybe not what you would expect. And in terms of like, you know, you know, uh, Available guards percentage on offense, which we talked about in, for defense with a couple of teams previously. Yeah. Um, the Aztecs are only earning 42% of their available yards per drive on offense. 
you can't necessarily pin all of that on the evolving quarterback situation. The run game has been good. It has not been great very often. And I think if Bell continues to be limited, then those guys behind him have to be great, which I don't know is a given against the Bulldogs defense that, you know, not, you know, you know San Diego State's got the 3-3-5 versus State's got the 4-2-5. That 4-2-5 yeah. has been excellent at pretty much almost all the same things that San Diego State has been excellent on. So I see a situation where like, you know, even if Greg Bell is healthy, you know, I, I don't know if their running game is going to be able to get much traction. I don't know if either running mm. game is going to be able to get much traction. Okay. Because I think both defenses are that good, but I think the trick in this game. Yeah. You're, not, you're correct on that. We're about to learn just how good San Diego State's secondary is. Heck yeah, we are. And I'm thinking particularly of like the youngsters that have really contributed at cornerback. You know, Dallas Branch, of course, had a really big interception early in the Air Force game. Um, you know, Noah Tumblin's played well. Noah Avager's played well. You know, all those guys are in the rotation with veterans who have stepped up and continue to play well, like Trenton Thompson, you know, multi-year starter. He's had a great year. Sidarius so Barfield's had a good year. Patrick Morris has been every bit as good as advertised in the spring. But I would say that, you know, you could throw all the numbers out because Jalen Cropper, Josh Kelly, and maybe Carrick Whipple are those the three best wide receivers the San Diego State defense has faced all year long? Um, have they played Nevada yet? They have not played Nevada yet. Okay. I'm trying to see who's seen it. I'm going to get to say they yes. Played, okay, they played Arizona. They played Utah. They played like New Mexico State. They played garbage. Yeah, Townsend. Yes, 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 yes. Andrew by far, yes. Seeing see who they played, yes. By miles and miles and miles. <laughs> so, so I can see where, you know, Cropper and... And, and company are able to sort of trade blows with a, a secondary that's played well, but played mm-hmm. well against maybe sort of like not great competition. Fact. But, 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 but even with that, like, even if they are able to like get open down the field, Hainer's still going to have the time to be able to get the ball down the field. And mm-hmm. what, we, what we don't know is how well they're going to be able to pass protect against Cameron Thomas and company up front. That's true. And so this this game could end up looking a lot like the whole like the Wyoming game. You think so? It could, and I think you know one of the, one of the big differences in this game is like you know if if, if Hainer is a lot you know closer to one hundred percent with or without Rivers too, is San Diego State going to be able to you know force turnovers in a way that Wyoming couldn't? In a way that uh, that Hawaii, if you go back a few a few weeks, you know they were able to really win the turnover margin and, and, and press that advantage and turn it into points. San Diego State, when they've done the same thing, we just saw it last week with the Air Force. They create yeah. turnovers, they turn those turnovers into points. Sure, that is pretty easily something that first State could fall into if they can't keep Painter on his feet, if they can't give him time to throw down the field. Because he's yeah, he's clearly going to be the reason why they win because Jordan Mims seemed fine last week. Mm-hmm. If Ronnie Rivers, he hasn't been playing great, so maybe his absence, if there's an absence or less lack of availability, may not be that big a deal. But if he's more healthy enough to play, clearly more weapons is better than not. Mm-hmm. But I do think what we've seen Hayner do versus UCLA and all these other games chucking the ball, clearly it's his. That's how they're going to win because if he slowed down, and even if Rivers or Mims have like 200 combined yards on the ground or something, or like one, let's say 175, mm-hmm. which is still pretty good. 
that still may not be enough to win. But I don't think they can get that many yards in the ground. So it's going to be through the air. Like I said, this receiving group, best they've seen. And then include if Rivers is healthy, a pass catcher out of the backfield. He still catches the ball while he's just not running very well this year as much as he has been. Well, and so then, that, and the other thing is too, is like, you know, it doesn't even have to come down to scoring drives either. Yeah. Like if all Fresno State can do on most of their drives is string together a couple first downs, that is something that could help them avoid the stranglehold that San Diego State's being able to put on everybody else in terms of field position. Yeah. You know, which obviously turnovers have played a, a big part of that. You know, obviously we've, we've talked about Matt Ariza at length in, in a lot of preview podcasts and a lot of recap podcasts. Uh, you know, Jordan Bird's been a huge factor in yeah. terms of like starting the offense in field position. And so, you know, all that adds up to the fact that San Diego State is still like second in terms of opponents starting field position. Yeah. If they manage to put the Bulldogs behind, you know, you know, in, in less than ideal situations, like if they're starting within their 20 more often than they're used to, then just get the ball to the 40 and punt it away rather than three and out. So, yeah. you know, I think even that could be considered a modest victory because if you, if you can force San Diego state to try to move the ball down the field, it's not that they can't do it, but if you can at least say, okay, try and do it a little more often than you've had to, then you might be able to create some breaks yourself. It's true. So what's the, well, what else? Is, like, what about Lucas Johnson? We haven't mentioned him at all. He's started again. Mm-hmm. He played well enough to win last week. Like, the first of defense, like, if Greg Bill's not healthy, <laughs> he's not going to throw, even though I like Lucas Johnson, he's not going to throw them victory because Aztecs are clearly more one dimensional. We know that. Yeah. And if their running backs are down to their two and three, and depending on how we know how they're solid as it is, but they're not Greg Bell. And so I think that's what's going to come down to because Aztecs are like Iowa, man. Like they rely too much on defense. Like if you look at SP plus those two teams, I don't know if you have available in front of you, but were you, were you listening are, to split zone duo? Um, no, solid verbal, but same they're, thing. They're, they're, they're starting to call regardless. G5 Iowa. Exactly. Yes. That's clearly they are. I haven't listened to that latest episode about the G5 breakdown, but to my feed, but listen to all the horrible same deal. It's like, they don't say it, but I pick up on it and realize that's the case. Cause I know they are San Diego state, Iowa or Iowa San Diego state, but their defense SP plus for San Diego state is what top 10, right? Uh, I believe fifth at this point. Fifth special teams helps as well, which is what top 10 is what I'm guessing. Yeah. Possibly offense is I'm going to guess like 120 something, right? Uh, yeah, it's like a hundred and yeah, triple digits, uh, triple Tri- digits at least. It's like a hundred and ten something. Meaning, if the if Fresno breaks through, which I think they will, there's no way Aztecs are going to win this game. And so it, it'll only take like one or two possessions where they go down and get fourteen points, and the Fresno State's defense is good enough, but particularly with backup running backs and not healthy Greg Bell, to slow down San Diego State. And I think that's what's going to happen. Well, I guess we'll find out. I even know as much again last week. I want to see undefeated San Diego State. I think their bubble is going to burst, and I think it's this week. So, um, FEI I might disagree with you. Fine, do it. I don't care. Uh, then you, that that metric favors the uh, six by two point six points. Uh, S- SP plus also favors San Diego State by one point one point eight. A lot of close games this week by SP plus. Uh, yeah. 54% win probability, by the way. And uh, Parker Fleming 
also likes the Aztecs, 62% win probability, final projected margin of roughly 21 to 17. 21 to 17. What's your, what's your prediction? Are you taking your Bulldogs? No. No. Oh, man, don't trust your team. <laughs> I mean, that, that Aztecs defense is really good. Yeah, but Jake Hayner is also really good. Jalen Cropper is also really good. I'm not saying they aren't. I'm saying I've seen this. I've seen this game before. You have, and I, I get it. Being a jaded Fresno fan, sometimes it's like it no. I'm tough. just saying, like I've, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the high flying Bulldogs offense get bogged down by a really stingy Aztecs defense before. I, I I'm going to pick the Aztecs to win. I'm going to pick them to cover. I've got them winning. 20 they have to. to it's one point. Twenty to. Oh, I guess they. I guess they can push. I yeah. really want to get to it. Um. I'm going Fresno State 23 to 16. Well, you know what? One of us is going to be really right this week, and one of us is going to be really wrong. <laughs> That's fine. It's always the case, isn't it? There's, I feel like there's been a lot more disagreement this week than usual. That's fine. I picked Colorado State. I picked Fresno State. I picked uh, – did I pick San Jose State? I forget. Yeah? Yes, I did. I picked uh, Utah State. Yeah, we are agreeing a lot. I, what's the only game we really agree on? UNLV Nevada? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you pick Wyoming to win? Uh, no, I picked San Jose State to win. Okay, so we picked two. Those are two we have the same. UNLV losing and Wyoming losing. So, all right, pay attention to next time when we talk. Well, when I discuss these games, because you won't be here, so I can gloat or pass gloss over things since you're not going to be here Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect true. week to do this. <laughs> now, if I'm wrong, I will completely own up, own up to being wrong. But check everything out at mwr.com, Twitter, MWC Wire, all of our stuffs out there. Betting guides, previews, uh, some other stuff out there too. So, yeah, we'll be back, or I'll be back Sunday to recap all these games, and it'll be a good one. Your Saturday is um, reasonably spread out. You know what I mean? You got mm-hmm. one o'clock is a mountain game. One, two, five, eight thirty. So, do what you can. Take take the morning off and uh, pick a game or two. That's all I ask of you, right? That's right. Check and check back in. So we'll see. Uh, see you next time, everybody.